And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are about to get involved in the 20 million movement where 20 million people around the world all studying the same passage of the Bible together at the same time. But before we do, Lawson has another clue for our quiz. Alrighty, we have another clue for the quiz. And uh, remember, so, so David uh, longed for water from a well near the gate of this city. That was our first clue. Mm-hmm. The next clue was that Jesse was from this city. I gave a little side clue. I said that uh, this 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 place, this city is very appropriate. Okay, yep. And Turn now this this next clue um, is is going to give it away a lot. Remember if if you have if you have an answer to this, you can give us a call on 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491064669. But the next clue is out of this city came a ruler over Israel whose origins are from ancient times. Who? Ooh. What city might that be? I was going to say, who might that be? Yeah. Uh, but well, who might that be? Because if you can figure out who that might be, then you'll know what city you'll that is. You'll know exactly where they're from. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, don't forget that uh, coming up at the end of this week, this coming Saturday at the Maitland Adventist Church, let us adore him, Christmas celebration service. Oh, wow. Uh, put together by Dr. Sayan Eastham and... Uh, I've been to a number of these now, and they are absolutely sensational. So uh, you are all invited to be there for that. And I understand you're off to Africa, Lawson, next year. Yes, I am. I'm heading out to Ethiopia um, to to preach. Which so is, you and uh, the the whole Faith FM team, yeah, the whole Faith FM team, we're going over to Africa. Now, of course, Mon is uh, going to Kenya as well as Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and she's raising money for uh, medications for the work that she's going to be doing in Kenya. So, kenyahealth.org is the place to go to make donations there. Trying to raise $6,000, nearly there. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And, uh, yeah, praise God. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll be able to get all of that together and a great cause to donate for. And, of course, we're going to be doing radio. Yeah. In Ethiopia. Yeah. How exciting is that? that, That's amazing. That's going to be absolutely sensational. Anyway, moving on with... uh, Oh, by the way, I've been studying so much on Ethiopian history. Yeah. It is so cool. Yeah. I mean, these guys kept the Sabbath like right through until the 19th century from the time of Christ, you know, from from the time when, when, uh, you know, when Christianity first ever penetrated Ethiopia. I mean, this is the longest continuous Christian nation on the planet. And well, it was the who was it that ended up? Wasn't it Mussolini? Like going in in World War One that yeah, stopped yeah. them from keeping the Sabbath. Like, yeah, Mussolini was the one who finally brought it to an end. Mm. There was one short period where in in the fifteen hundreds where they accepted Roman Catholicism for a number of months, and the Jesuit missionaries came in and stopped the Sabbath keeping, mm-hmm. and uh, and then of course that was all reversed after the emperor um, that emperor died, and they went back to being um, Coptic Orthodox. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, super looking forward to that. If you are Ethiopian, then give us a call, 1-800-324-843. We would love to hear from any Ethiopian people um, to give us some some helpful and useful tips on traveling to Ethiopia. Mm. All right. So, where are we off to? Mark chapter 9 and verse 33 and 34. Please, Lawson, if you could read those passages for us. Actually, I have a confession. Yeah, what's that? I don't have my Bible here with me today. Because, that looks like a Bible. Yeah, but this isn't my Bible. That's Monica's Bible. I left it at someone's house. Ah. Oh, and I feel bad too because I did a Bible study last night without my Bible because I left it at that person's house that day. So you used a phone? 
Yeah, I used yeah. a phone Bible, which was okay, you yeah. know, but I just oh, I just love having a, a book <laughs> and it's got my highlights in it and uh, my notes and it's oh, it's amazing. Which chapter of Mark? Mark chapter? Uh, Mark chapter 9, nine verse 33. Verse 33 and It's interesting uh, because sometimes um, I, I have a bad habit of leaving my Bible in all kinds of random mm-hmm. places and then end up somewhere with no Bible and I'm preaching a sermon or I'm doing a Bible study or whatever it might be. And so you pull out your phone. So the great thing about you know having a Bible on your phone, you pull out your phone and you're just using your your, your, your Bible on your phone. Mm. And sometimes you have know, gone away for like a, a whole weekend series. Mm-hmm. And it turned up, I've got no Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so I just pull out my phone. And it's like, yeah, I always preach from my phone. I never use a Bible anymore. I'm you know so super <laughs> yeah. trendy. Uh, <laughs> I'm a 21st century Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, I never actually. I much prefer. I can find stuff way faster Same. and easier with paper. Oh, 100%. The phone, you just sort of wait. For it, wait, stupid thing. Anyway, let's read in Mark chapter 9 and verse 33. The Bible says, After they arrived in Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Okay, so when we look at this particular passage right here, we find what okay, so this is a bit of a common a common subject amongst the disciples. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 100%. Uh what what were they aiming for? They wanted to be the best. Where had the disciples come from? What was their background? Well, they're all they're all tradesmen. They're all, you know, fishermen. Tradies and peasants. There was a there was a tax collector amongst them, but there was nobody there of particular wealth and training except for Judas. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And so they are not the part of society that normally uh, you find in positions of greatness. Mm-hmm. They do have this opportunity that has now sprung, sprung upon them because they are followers of Jesus. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They are convinced that he is the Messiah. And therefore, in their minds, he's going to set up an empire, a Jewish empire, modeled on the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And in the Roman Empire, you had the you had the emperor, and mm-hmm. then you had his cabinet, and they see themselves as being a part of his cabinet, and within his cabinet, there would be those who are closer to him and further away from him. Uh, you'd have the emperor, you'd have the consuls, you'd have the senate, mm-hmm. you know, all of these different uh, groups that existed within the empire that had power, and so they're jostling for position. Mm. You know, it's a little bit like your, your, your Roman emperor with his two consuls, um and they're like yeah one on the right one on the left which one's you know who, which who one's the most legit you know yeah that's so funny the the context in which they're brought up in is like even though they're they're Jews and and as Jews they're like oh you know we're Jews we're set apart from the rest of the world yet their thinking is so Roman yes like the, because that's the context in which they're they're brought up in is is a Jew is part of uh, sorry. Israel is part of the uh, it's part of the Roman Empire. Roman Empire. So the like, Roman Empire has been around for generations. Mm, by this point, hundreds, hundreds of years. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like like us, I guess. You know, growing up in a uh, in a democracy, eh, we often tend to look at the Word of God through the eyes of a democracy. Mm. You know, we, we, we form our churches built around a democracy. We say this is the best way to function. Yeah, wow. And uh, that's because of where we come from. Yeah, it's the context in which we, we grow up You look in. at other churches that did not come out of a democracy and they don't have the same democratic process mm. that a more modern church like the Adventist Church does mm-hmm. uh, because of the culture that they came from. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, it's interesting how we mimic the culture in which we originate or in which we live. 
Okay, so let's go over to nine, uh, Luke chapter 9. All right. And verse 46. Luke. Luke 9 and verse 46. Maybe you can hear my, my pages rustling. I'm getting there. Again, this isn't my Bible, so you know I'm not. A, I'm not it's as not a, it's sharp. Not, it's it's not a trained Bible. Your, your, your own <laughs> Bible is always a well, You know, I have. Um, I have these Bibles, mm. and it's just like some random Bible that I bought. Oh, I don't know, probably twenty years ago, and uh, and kind of liked it. It's nice, it's slimline, and started using it. And after using it for about a year, it was well trained. Mm-hmm. It knew all the right places to turn to. <laughs> And so when I had to buy, I had to, you know, that one fell apart. I bought another one exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've been buying the same edition of the Bible because I just, I know where all the verses are, you know, top right-hand corner yeah. of the, you know, um, such and such a page, etc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it always gets me into trouble when I have to use my phone Bible. But um, yes, ever since then, for probably the last 20 years or more, I've been buying the same edition and now it's out of print. Man. Such a disaster. So whenever I find one, I always buy them, so I have now have a little bit of a stock. I'm like, yeah, I need enough. I need enough of these to get me through the next fifty years. <laughs> Prepping. All right, yep. which verse are we in in Luke chapter nine? Uh, Luke chapter nine, and let's read verse forty-six. Okay, Luke chapter nine and verse forty-six says, "Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest." Okay, so this is a uh, bit of a a repetitive theme, isn't it? Mm. That is popping up, you know, over and over again. Go over to uh, Luke chapter 22 and verse 24. Luke 22 and verse 24. Alrighty. Luke 22 and verse 24 says... Actually, before you read that, we do need to comment on the background of this. This is in the lead up to the Last Supper where Jesus met with his disciples. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, so what do you got in the verse there? All right, so the, the Bible says here, then they began to argue among themselves who would be the greatest among them. Oof. Just lead up to the last summer, <laughs> and they're all fighting over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, who was it? Um, John and James's mother who came to Jesus and, and made that special, you know, like, you know, these these guys should be sitting here, you know, one one on your right hand and one on your left. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's she's telling them all. It sounds the, like something a mum would do, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, like yeah. you know when you're in a sports team and you like your mum comes along, it's like oh hey, you know to the coach, like you know give Johnny some ball time, even though he's like really bad, like <laughs> a smother. Yeah, <laughs> we all love our smothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yes, um, it seems that uh, their mother was somewhat of a smother. And uh, comes along and she's, she, she wants like, yeah, they, they, these guys would be great, you know. Make them like your two consuls. Mm-hmm. One on the right, one on the left. Uh, which was not such a great idea <laughs> at all. To the point where Jesus says like, uh, you know, those who are beside me when I come into my glory, it's not up to me, but up to the, to the Father who is in heaven. That's right. Because when did Jesus come into his glory? When he died on Calvary. When he died on the cross. And the two who were on his right hand and on his left, it wasn't, didn't go so well for them. Yeah. They were also dying on a cross. So, it's funny too because it's James and John, two very prolific disciples um, who, mm. if they had have died at the time, wouldn't have been able to do the work that they were 
Like, I mean, John was the only one who did not die a martyr's death, and he was the youngest of the disciples, so he lived the longest, he had the longest ministry mm-hmm. out of all of them, and that would have, you know, we wouldn't have the book of John, we wouldn't have First John, Second John, Third John, or, or Revelation. How would you have a Bible without Revelation? It's, it's you just can't. It's impossible it's to the the, the biblical narrative that. is is completely wrapped up in Revelation. So it's like absolutely man, yeah. So it's like. It's funny how Jesus like denies them from being, you know, on his right and on his left when he comes into his glory, which is actually like the best thing that he ever like did. Like he's like, yeah, you you don't want to do that because like you've got a life of ministry to live. And it's funny how like sometimes just just thinking about this, how how we can often you know think about like, oh man, it'd just be better if I had more position or more money. And we can even think of it in a godly way. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, if, if God just gave me this thing right now, then I'd be able to use that for his glory. And then, you know, you don't get it. So, and you're like bummed out. But ultimately, you know, if you're really adhering to God, he's got a plan for you that's much better than anything you can. Well, the Bible says to, you know, to him who can do more than we can, you know, exceedingly abundantly above anything we can possibly think or say or see. Like, and it's only how that yeah um, hierarchies develop within churches. Mm-hmm. Anywhere where you have humanity, you have a development of a hierarchy. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It just simply is what happens. And say you look at a local church, who sits at the top of the hierarchy? Well, the pastor. The yeah, what's, elders, what's another name for the pastor? The king. <laughs> so, no, <laughs> Lawson. Well, he. Well, the king sits atop of hierarchy usually. So okay, the but pastor, yeah, but the pastor. Another name for the pastor. Another word for a pastor. A bishop. Uh yeah, yeah. What are, What are we getting to here? President. Leader of the club. No, a leader. No. If you're going to put it down on your form. If you're a pastor and you're putting it down on your census form, what your occupation is? What are you going to list it as? A minister. A minister. A minister of religion. Okay, okay. so within a local church context, hear me out on this, in the local church context, the person who is perceived as having the most authority, mm-hmm. um, who is the one who is expected to make decisions and expect you know submission from those below him, so to speak, mm-hmm. is called a what? A minister. A minister. Let's think about that word for a moment. Is that a word that describes somebody at the top of a hierarchy? What does the word minister actually mean? Well, to minister is is to support, right? Is to be that that the, well the person who is uh is doing the is doing the hard work, the the humble the humble work of a servant. Exactly, the word minister actually means servant. There you go. And this is something that this is something that because you know back in the day when we had servants, um, this was part of old English. Mm. You had servants who ministered to you. That was yeah. that was that was what a minister did. You know, mm-hmm. today we have uh, you know a minister of, uh, of parliament or something like that, and we think, oh, you know, they're up, they're high in the hierarchy, they've got lots of power, and we have a minister of religion. And it's like, yeah, they're at the at the top of their local church and all this kind of stuff. But the word minister, historically, when the Bible was first translated into English, was somebody who was a servant. A servant mm-hmm. would come and minister to your needs. That was that was how the word actually was used and how it worked. And so when the Bible was first translated into English, people understood that they that, that a minister was a servant. Mm. We no longer have that usage of the word minister. Now the word minister is not a, a position of servanthood. It's a position of authority. 
Mm-hmm. The meaning of the word has changed, and with it, our reading of the Bible has changed. Yeah, wow. But if we actually go back and look at how what that word originally means, of course, it comes from the Greek uh, diakonos, which is literally mm-hmm. translated a servant. A diakonos yeah, wow. was somebody who was employed to serve you in your home. Mm. Um, and you also have the word uh, doulos, um, which means slave um, and or bond servant. So you have a servant and a bond servant. Mm. And you know this is what the Bible is talking about when it talks about being a minister. A minister is not somebody who is lording it over everybody and expecting submission, but a minister is somebody who is ministering, in other words, serving the needs yeah, wow. of the congregation. Mm. And that's really what Jesus did, isn't it? You know, this is he completely flips the whole Roman system on its head. Mm. Where the hierarchy, you know, the the highest position is the position of servanthood. Yeah, wow. That's that's amazing. Like because Jesus himself says, like the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Yeah. Um and, and you think you think of people like Paul, right? One of the the, the well the the most um published author of in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um one of the the most well known ministers, uh, you know, apostle, disciple uh, in the Christian church at the time, yet he was one of the most uh, in- afflicted, downtrodden, like hardworking, you know, he, he, he talks about it himself in, in 2 Corinthians where he says, you know, in, in, in stripes many, in, in perils often, you know, he is by far one of the most hardest working person in the church. Um, while he is like one of the most prolific ministers, that's right. So it's like, yeah, minister it has really changed. Because when I think of minister, I think you know, or like, yeah, the minister, a federal minister. minister of a council or a, yeah. or in parliament, and I think of some guy wearing a suit, you know, uh, <laughs> like sitting in parliament, or maybe if we if we look back a few hundred years, some guy wearing a curly wig um, in in court, you know, making decisions. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 a servant. It's a ser- well, that's that's funny as well because they call ministers a, a public servants, right? Public servant. They're public servants, but uh, you don't see them often doing a lot of uh, public service. No. They just more make decisions for people. And this, of course, is um, you know relics from the English language, where you know once back in the day that was that was uh, what they were seen to be somebody who would. And, and theoretically, yes, we employ them because we are the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are our, 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 our employees. A, a public servant is our employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not kind of how it works in reality. Yeah. And people who want to get into politics, they don't want to get into politics so that they can be servants. Oh, 100%. People get you know, into it's, politics it's, to be servants. It's, it's uh, what do you aspire to be? You know, have you ever come across a kid like, yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a servant. <laughs> Have you ever asked a kid that question? Has a kid ever given you that answer? Yeah, no, never. No, ne- never. Because it's... that's seen as being, you know, kind of bottom of the rung. If yeah. you're someone's, you know, house servant, whatever, it's uh, it's bottom of the rung. But the Bible says that this is this is top of the rung when you can serve 100%. others. Well, the, you know, the first will be last. Um, that's what Jesus says. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. Okay, so that gives us then some context for the next passage that we're going to look at. Why don't you flick over to Matthew chapter 20. Mm-hmm. We're going to read a passage here which outlines Jesus' uh, form of leadership. 
Mm. So that, you know, it helps us to understand, all right, where was Jesus coming from when it comes to the concept of leadership? What we find is that Jesus takes this whole concept of leadership, he completely turns it on its head. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you had the pyramid system with, you know, uh, lots of people at the bottom and one person at the top, he reverses that and put lots of people at the top with one person at the bottom being himself, who is the greatest servant of all time. And in being the greatest servant of all time, Jesus becomes our example for us today. We're going to be back. This is Grego Pillay.
Welcome back, guys. That was Grego Pile with I Will Bow My Knee here on Faith FM. And still no one has snapped up today's very relevant clue mm-hmm. for the quiz. Very relevant. Our last clue was out of this city came the, a ruler over Israel whose origins are from ancient times. It's actually uh, a, a reference mm-hmm. um, to Daniel chapter 8, I believe. Uh, no. no. No, chapter 9. Micah 5 verse 2. Oh mate, I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm <laughs> but our next clue, which is which is again very relevant, uh, says Mary and Joseph returned to this city to register for the census. Ooh, why? Where why? Could, did where they... could that possibly wow. be? What? Where? <coughs> <laughs> A lot of people heading to that city right now. Oh, interesting. So, if you know the answer to this quiz, you can. Population give... of that city goes through the roof at this time of year. Hundred percent. So, if, if you know the answer to this quiz, you can give us a text on 0491064669 or give us a call on 1-800-324-843 and we'll give you a prize for no, no cost. All right, there you go. We were heading to Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28, where Jesus turns this whole concept of leadership on its head. Roman yes. leadership versus Jesus leadership. All right, let's start reading in verse 25, the, G, uh, the, the Jesus. Well, Jesus does say, but the Bible says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of in this world lord it over, the, over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you, who must be, uh, you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as ransom for money, many. You know, and that in and of itself, if, if, if nothing else, what you have the, is there is the foundation of courtesy in Western society. Mm-hmm. You know, because every society has its ways that it relates to other people. And here we have courtesy outlined for us, and that courtesy is you're putting others first, you're putting yourself last, and mm-hmm. and this is the foundation of uh, of Western society right there, and the way we just simply treat each other. Mm-hmm. It is founded on Christian principles, and here you have you know Jesus' Christian principles of how a person should act and a person should live. If you want to be first, you make yourself last. Yeah, that's when I when I think about. Like th- this, this principle of of courtesy. It's something that's very um, defining to definitely a place like Australia, um, where we, you know, we have laws that are often in in favour of decency. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's the what's the motivation to do that? In and say, you know, if you're a, if you're like a hundred percent atheist, say, what, what's the motivation to be kind and courteous and to put your yourself um, below others when gain is you know the primary object to to life like how how can a, a nation be established by courtesy and it's to me i see um because it's obviously like australia originally was founded on christian principles and we we see that fleshed out and in, in the you know in the laws in which we live and that australia is such a great place yeah you know it's such an amazing place to Absolutely. live and that comes from the fact that yeah we do have laws and and we do have order um which goes in favor of serving others um mm-hmm. and being a servant and that that comes from the principle of principles of the bible 100 percent. 
And, you know, it, it, when you travel somewhat and you go to some other countries where they don't have that same, you know, Protestant Christi- Christian background, mm-hmm. you know, you, you find it in even the simplest things. You find it in the way that people relate to transport. Yeah. So you'd be heading down the road and it's every man for himself. Yeah. And everybody's trying to push in front of everybody else and, you know, crawl over the top of everybody else uh-huh. and drive around everybody else. And the footpaths are fair game. The Both sides of the street are fair game. Traffic mm. lights become, you know, a vague kind of recommendation. Mm. Um, nothing more. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it, it becomes a free-for-all. You mm. find it in, you know, say, for instance, you want to go and see a famous site somewhere because you're a tourist, you're traveling to a different country and people line up for it. And here in, in, in Australia or, or countries that have, you know, that, that Protestant uh, servant-based ethic. Mm-hmm. Created by Jesus Christ, people will line up. Um, you go to some of these other places and nobody lines up. Yeah. Um, everybody just pushes straight to the front. Mm. You know, going through uh, toll booths in one country that I was in on a, on a freeway and um, I think the toll booths were three o'clock cross, but the cars leading into that were 12 across, all trying to push their way through. Into this three-lane three yeah. toll booth. Wow. Twelve cars across trying to push into a three-lane toll booth. Now, admittedly, the cars in that country were very small and you could fit 12 across. Mm-hmm. But it's a very, very different attitude. Yeah. Um, and it's an attitude of me first at the expense of everybody else, mm-hmm. whereas we have grown up with, you know, that, 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 that concept. It's a foundation of our society, of our culture. Mm-hmm. Of putting others first, you know, even the way that we use our language, you know, I don't say, you know, um, myself and Lawson. It's Lawson and myself. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't, you never, in in our language, we never put our name before somebody else's name. We always put the other person's name first, mm-hmm. and you can communicate just as effectively either way. Yeah, but it's improper English. Yeah, wow. because of the Christian foundation that we have. Yeah, it goes to the very root of the. Of our culture, mm. and it's a really important thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> moving on right here, we we find this: how can we manifest this principle in our lives, and especially in our churches? Now, the subject that we've been talking about is the subject of unity. Mm. When it comes to unit, disunity in a church is caused by only one thing. What's that? People ceasing to be. Servants, people losing sight of the concept of servanthood. Mm. And people suddenly deciding that they want to be the most powerful servant. Wow. Who can then lord it over other people. <laughs> uh, and often what we do within a church environment is we take our political battles to be the greatest mm-hmm. and we turn them into theological battles. Wow. That's because that way we can mask our real motives. Our real motive, when it all boils down, is pure selfishness. Mm-hmm. It is just self wants what self wants, and self wants power in this case, and self wants influence. And so, because if we stand up and publicly say, "Hey, look, I want to rule this church," we know that nobody is going to go with us. But if we can come, we can stand up and say, "You need to follow my theology," and then I can convince the whole church to follow my particular theology. Then I become a powerful person mm-hmm. because everybody in that church suddenly becomes a liar light. Yeah. Rather than 
a follower of Jesus a Christ. A follower of Jesus Christ. And that becomes a really, really... And so therefore, what we often do in the Christian context is turn our political battles into theological battles. And often, that's what the theological battles are more about. They are more about mm. having power, having influence, or having a sense of power and a sense of influence rather than uh, being an issue of what is right and wrong. Wow. That's so true. When you, when so, like I've I've seen and heard sometimes, you know, there there will be a person who makes a a theological development, and and rather than than promoting that in a context of like, hey guys, you should check this out. It's like, no, we're starting our own church. This is the uh, you know, if I was to do it's, this is the Lawson Walters reform. You know, we we believe um in this particular doctrine, and that's our wheelbarrow, and that's our you know, our banner that we're pushing and that's what we're we're all about. And people define themselves by like some theological, you know, minute theological difference mm-hmm. um, that that really has no bearing. Like rather than defining themselves as being followers just of Jesus. A follower Christ. of Jesus. It's so interesting. It is. But that is human nature. Anyway, be a follower of Jesus today. And while you are being a follower of Jesus, let's listen to Abby Eaton with Man of Sorrows.
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Your face is beautiful. And your eyes are like the stars Your gentle hands have healing They're inside the scars Your loving arms, they draw me near And your smile, it brings me peace Draw me closer, oh my Lord Draw me closer, Lord, to Thee And captivate us, Lord Jesus Set our eyes on You Devastate us with Your presence Falling down And rushing
listening to Watermark with Captivate Us here on Faith FM. And as we get into our question of the day, Lawson still has a clue left for the quiz. I I thought we were done with them all. Oh, man, no. We've got one more clue. We've got one more clue, and this is this is a banger. Okay, if you so don't this get is this, a really hard one is it? No, no. This like is super this hard. Is, this, like is, this is yeah. This is the hardest thing. clue um, I've ever come across. So, right, are you ready for this? All right. Jesus was born in this sea. <laughs> I wonder where that might. be. All right. So, if you know where Jesus was born, you can give us a call on one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or give us a text on 0491-064-669, and you can receive a prize for the quiz. Okay. So, what do we got for question of the day, there, Lawson? Okay. So, our question. of of the day. This is a very, very interesting question. Comes from the Old Testament. The question is, why did priests have to sacrifice a bull rather than a lamb? This is a really good question because we often assume that the the sin offering was always the sacrifice of a lamb. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The reason that this question was actually originally asked was that because on the Day of Atonement, somebody, somebody was studying the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16. Mm-hmm. And on the Day of Atonement, the priest would sacrifice a bullock for his sins and for the sins of his family. That's what he would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he would proceed with the work of the Day of Atonement, which was um, the, 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 the ceremony that involved two goats, one for the Lord and one for Satan. And so somebody was reading that through and they're going, wait a minute, why is, the, why is the priest sacrificing a bullock rather than a lamb? Didn't everybody sacrifice as a lamb as a sin offering? Wasn't that the sin offering that there always was? Mm. And the answer is not, not so. The lamb was the most common mm-hmm. offering that was made. But a priest could never sacrifice a lamb. Mm-hmm. A priest could only ever sacrifice a bullock. And if you go to um, if you go to Leviticus chapter four, you can read in Leviticus four and five. You can read about the sin offering, and you can read about all of the different offerings that they offered. And so, when a priest sinned, he would sacrifice a bullock. This symbolized that the priest had a much higher level of influence within the community 
morally than anybody else. And mm. it was his it was his job to set a very, very high moral standard. And so when he sinned, there was a much bigger sacrifice that mm. was required. But you'll find that uh, beginning in verse 4. You know, if, the, if, a, if a priest sins, then he brings a bullock. Then if you go down to verse uh, 13, um, if the whole congregation sins, in other words, the entire nation sins, guess what you bring? A bullock. a bullock. So the sin of the priest was equivalent to the sin of a of the entire people. Mm-hmm. Then you go down a little bit further, you go down to verse 22, and you find if a ruler or a king sins, then he would bring a goat. Uh, verse 27 and 32, you find uh, if any one of the common people sins through ignorance, etc., etc., um, they would bring either a goat or a lamb, and that's where we get the symbol of the lamb come from. And, of course, the symbol of the lamb was made most famous because this is the symbol that symbolizes Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the lamb of God. And uh, it was the most common of them. But if you go to chapter 5 and verse 7, the Bible says, and if he is not able to bring a lamb, in other words, he is dirt poor, then he will bring for his trespass, which he has committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you about the parents of Jesus? What did they bring as a sacrifice? They brought two turtle doves or two pigeons. Mm-hmm. They were dirt poor, so dirt poor, they couldn't even afford a lamb. But then if you are completely homeless um, and completely without anything, down in verse 11, but if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he that sins shall bring for his offering the tenth part of an ephah of fine Flower, and so there was something here that was you know this was a system that was available for everybody. Mm-hmm. Whatever your level of society was, a different sacrifice was required, and whatever your socio-economic position in society was, a different sacrifice was required. Mm-hmm. And so God says, "Yeah, okay." The ge- the general the general sin offering was always going to be a lamb. But if you're dirt poor, you can bring two, tres- two, two turtle doves or two pigeons. And if you are really completely homeless and, you know, you bring a small bowl of flour, mm-hmm. there was provision for everybody to be able to bring a sacrifice and experiencing, experiencing the, experience the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. And all of these are a symbol of Jesus Christ. The lamb is a symbol of Jesus. The bullock is a symbol of Jesus. You know, that symbol of sacrifice, uh, even the flour, the bread of life, um, the, d- wow. the dove, the Holy Spirit, all of them are symbols of Jesus Christ and who he is. This is Melissa Otto with love. Yeah. 
You're listening to Melissa Otto with Love here on Faith FM. We have come to the last section of the day, and because it is the last section of the day, you get to have something for free. But before we talk about that, we should say that uh, Feli from uh, Townsville, I think it is, in Queensland, mm-hmm. um, has snapped up the prize for mm-hmm. the quiz. She got the answer correctly as Bethlehem. And uh, congratulations, Feli. Well done. And so nice to hear from you again. Yeah. She's one of our most uh, avid followers, listeners, I guess. Oh. We love it a bit. She's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, what are we giving away today, Lawson? All right. We are giving away a DVD. Movie time. Mm. Have you seen this movie? No, I haven't. You haven't seen this movie? I haven't seen movie. this movie yet. I've You've heard so many people talk joking. about it, but I haven't seen it yet. But you it have got amazing. to be joking. So, so you were not going to watch any movies until you finished reading Patriarchs and Prophets, right? I think you should get a free pass on this one. <laughs> okay. Well, this, what we're giving away today is a movie called Tortured for Christ. Well, what is this movie about? Okay. This is uh, the story of Richard Wormbrandt, um, who was tortured for Christ in Romania, spent many, many years in prison there. This movie was filmed on location. This was filmed in the prison where he was imprisoned, in the cell wow. where he was, in in the cell where he was uh, locked up for like fourteen years or something or other, some ridiculously long period of time. And he was imprisoned there because he refused to stop preaching about the saving power of Jesus Christ. Wow! The gospel, the good news of salvation by grace alone, mm. and. Um, this is a movie that is confronting. These are events that took place in very, very recent history. It shows that persecution can take place in any culture, in any environment, anywhere. We, we think that we are free from it here in Australia, but there's no guarantee from it. Everybody, honestly, everybody needs to see this movie. Anyway, we'll be back after this. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his promise Just to know, thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him How I proved him Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon Jesus, 
Oh, for grace to trust.